0: So Berto and Colin, do you know what the Bechdel test is? What is the Bechdel test, Berto? What do you think? If a movie or maybe just a story
1: does a female character appropriately, or if it's, you know, like if the female characters use sort of like a, as a throwaway character, or it's just like a romantic interest or that. So there's a whole bunch of questions of like, does the movie do this? Does the movie do that? And the fact is most
2: movies don't actually use female characters in a useful, meaningful way.
0: Colin, is that your understanding?
2: Yeah, my understanding was more specific than that. I thought it was two female characters had to discuss something other than men. Am I correct or incorrect?
0: Well, we'll get into that in a second, but first, let's introduce the podcast. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I am Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor, and this podcast does not pass the Bechdel test. My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I'm a cuckoo
1: clock tamer.
2: I am Colin Miller. I live in Dallas, and I work for the Gay Men's Mindfulness
0: Collective. The Bechdel test. So this is a measure, as you were saying, of the representation of women in fiction. And it doesn't have to be just in film. I thought it was just in film, but it isn't. It's in fiction as well, written fiction and other things. Named after the American cartoonist Alison Bechdel... And the criteria are at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man and the two women must have a name in the story. Uh, And when I first heard about the Bechdel test, I don't know, what was it, 20 years ago, 15 years ago? I started rolling through movies and I thought, nope, that doesn't pass the bet Because when you say (laughs) the criteria, it sounds ridiculous. To have two women who talk to each other, you're like... Mm -hmm. Why is that so exotic about something other than a man? You're like, well, of course. I (laughs) mean, There's so many other things to talk about. Colin, what percentage of movies when uh, they did a review actually passed the Bechdel test?
2: I'm guessing 35 percent.
0: Berto, what do you think?
1: Oh, man. Well, there's a lot of movies. So 20 percent.
0: Actually, I, I read somewhere it was fifty percent, which I find oh, to be extremely surprising. yeah high. I, I wonder what the methods were. I would, yeah. most, I mean, in terms of anecdote, is it in terms of big movies, popular movies, right? Does Star Wars pass
2: the Bechdel test? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Princess Leia. No, I don't think so. Well,
1: Princess Leia talks to uh, Mon Mothma.
2: <laughs> she doesn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give me the scene where she does that. It's in the outtakes. It's, uh... Oh, okay. The cutting room floor passes the Bechtel test.
0: So there are other tests that have come out along the theme. The Vito Russo test created by Glad, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. And the criteria are, does the film contain a character that is identifiably LGBT, not solely or predominantly defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity? And tied into the plot in such a way that the removal would have a significant effect. So, this is an interesting test, and it illuminates the tropes and the lack of representation that one just having an lgbt character two if they are included it's usually like it's because they're gay right it's not right. just because they're a human being or because they're trans are they actually tied to the plot in a way that removing them would actually change the story quite a bit you know uh, are they just a throwaway friend for example right
2: yeah i love it i think it's great i i would have to say that as a a lover of film and a gay man myself, I have to wonder about how these important conversations in production studios relate to some of the negative uh, conversations that also occur about who gets to play what parts, what stories get, you know, put onto the screen, what stories get funding. And I did a little research for a writing project not too long ago on saving face and that's a, it's a really lovely romantic comedy about, um, you know, two, well, I don't remember if they, they're particular identifiers, because LGBT, as we know, is a spectrum, but two Asian American women um, enter a relationship. And they, um, in the production, you know, history, if you look up that film, there were a lot of conversations about, well, how can we soften this? People aren't really ready for it. I mean, it came out in, I think, 2004. And for me, the early 2000s feel like light years away in terms of what we were seeing on, on screen. I think there have been leaps and bounds, but they were like, oh, should we make, um, do they even, the, like, it, it would be like a descending conversation as I understand it. Like, does she have to be gay can't um can't we have her in a heteronormative relationship with another asian male and then when they she would say absolutely not they would say well okay if she has to be a lesbian can we have her with like a a very like tradition like traditionally beautiful white girl like on screen like a one that's recognizable for people like maybe like a scarlett johansson (laughs) which i found kind of humorous because scarlett johansson's gotten a little flack for thinking she can play anything and blah 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 it's a whole other thing but um But yeah, so I find myself wondering where the line is because at the end of the day, I don't want writers to feel pressured to put LGBTQ characters in film. I think it's more of a systematic thing where we just need to kind of restructure everything so that more LGBTQ writers have more outlets for their stories so that everyone kind of, you know, has equal, equal... I guess you could say, time on the play, playground. So,
0: Yeah, what's your thoughts on that, Berto, in terms of quotas? Well, um, so this goes to something that I brought
1: up now twice in two different podcasts, and, and at least the first time, I, I got a lot of flack in the comments, but I'll just restate it again. I wish we would get to the point where that conversation where they were saying, does it have to be uh, this, that, or the other thing? That that wasn't even a question. And I don't mean because, like, well, of course it has to be, but it'd be like, Uh, No one would bring it up because it's like, this is just a character the same way that it's like, it's like, Hey, I noticed you said the character is wearing jeans. Do do they have to wear jeans? It's like, no one would ask that. It's like, some people wear jeans, some people wear pants. And now sometimes wearing jeans is important to the story. Like, what is that? My, the, the traveling pants or something, whatever. Anyways, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes it might be like, no, of course, Philadelphia they, they have to be there has to be this story was about literally a gay couple that then one of them catches AIDS and this fine, fine, fine. I get it. But so my take is with anything like work, movies and stuff, you might need to force the system a bit to kickstart the engine. And yeah. this is a big debate. Uh, when I was in, in uh, when I was in school. I remember there was, a lot, there was a lot of folk that were upset that some uh, companies would offer uh, more internships to people of color. And, um, and I understood. I mean, I was like, yeah, that would be frustrating if you're not. You know, I had a friend who was white and they were frustrated. It's like, why, what, why do they? And I get it. At the same time, it's like you're trying to, you're trying to steer a ship that has been headed in one direction for millennia and you're trying to just like, can we just course correct just slightly? And it takes a lot. And so sometimes you have to use heavy handed, in my opinion, heavy handed techniques to try to course correct.
0: Yeah, the, the issue to me is not about shoehorning in particular diverse, quote unquote, cast members into a story. It's about if you're going to tell a story that probably should include diversity to not have it is a clear indication that you either don't care or are ignorant or just flat-out racist or don't even understand the market. There is a huge market for Black people, Asian people, women to watch movies. So one, if you're going to tell a story that should include diversity, to not have it is a problem. And then two, as a studio decides to greenlight movies, right, if they tend to always be centered around white issues and men issues and a narrow set of mainstream identity issues uh, straight issues then then that's a problem so so the problem is is two levels one what movies get decided to be greenlit right and then two when you are working on a script that probably should have diversity and you don 't have diversity, so so we 're not talking about like let 's let 's redo the Godfather and include a bunch of Asian Americans because it 's a movie about mobsters it 's not about quotas of any movie, so i I was obsessing on this. I was like okay there 's got to be like an an Asian Dell test is what I wanted to call it instead of the Beckdell test, I want to call it the Asian Dell test. And I'll go through my criteria in a second, but I, I want it because I'm getting so tired of watching movies that should have Asian-Americans in it and they don't. And I'm again, I'm not looking towards just any movies. I'm looking mainly to movies that take place in Los Angeles or Seattle or something or Vancouver, Canada, where there should be at least a couple Asians, at least in the background. <laughs> you know, I was watching uh, The Descendants, which takes place in Hawaii and Kauai, right? With George Clooney, and it, it, you'd be hard to find a single Asian American even in the background. And on Hawaii, it is literally half Asians. <laughs> Not even in the extras are they included very much. So that's what we're going to do today. And I asked Berto to come up with the Berto Dell test, which I think is going to have to do with Columbia. And I asked Colin to do what? What are you calling your test, Colin?
2: The Gerardle test, that's my middle name. And I felt like the word play because it's, you know, <laughs> got the B. The, RC Gerardle. Energy, so.
0: <laughs> so, and we're going to review a few movies, popular movies, and put them to each of our tests. And uh, that's what we're going to do today. So let's get into it. Um, So, uh, Berto, what are your criteria for your test? All right. Uh, do you want me to list all of mine or are we going to kind of like trade? Uh, your, all your criteria and then we'll go right. into the movies
1: later. So first off, does it use actual Latinos playing Latino roles? <laughs> That's the first. Right, criteria. right, right, right. <laughs> so no West actually... Side
2: Story. Okay.
1: I'm just, yeah, that, that, that might be on my list. Uh, number two, is the Latin person or people, are they primary characters or are they just background Okay. Now, again, like you said, this isn't like every movie needs to be like this. I'm just saying, let's, let's, you know, you kind of like score all these things, right? right. Uh, number three, is their race slash origin relevant or irrelevant to the story? And my bias is I want to see more stories where it's actually not relevant. It's irrelevant. For example, and I know that this, this one actually doesn't do as great by, by the Asian standard, but the, the Cobra Kai series, like the main, one of the main kids is Latino yeah. And it doesn't matter like it, it's not the story doesn't revolve about him being Latin. It's just like, hey, he's he's a Latino. Right. But that's irrelevant. I love that. OK, uh, number four, do they have an accent? Yep. <laughs> number five. And, and by the way, I don't. My mom has an accent. Lots of people have accent stuff. It's just that when everyone always has to have yeah. a thick, you know, Mexican accent to show that they're Latinos. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, number six. Uh, are they a mariachi or do they wear mariachi clothing? <laughs> uh, that's, that shows up all over the place. You know? um, number seven, are they a drug dealer? <laughs> ah. Number eight, is the movie about the day of the dead, El Dia de los Muertos? Oh. Coco! Look, look I, I love Coco. Give me a couple of movies. I love it. But, <laughs> but you'll find that a lot of times it's like Dia de los Muertos. It's all over cartoons. It's all over movies. Fine, fine. I get it. Let's just, can we have a few movies about other times? <laughs> <laughs> uh, number nine, are they super poor? Uh, and like, look, I have nothing against poor people or, or rich people. It's just uh, the next one. Number 10 is, are they super rich? Because like a lot of times what I see is like, you know, they're the destitute, which is a reality. There's a lot of destitute Latinos. And then that's a reality but like that seems to be like that's the latino in the movie or the playboy ultra jet setting you know open-shirted uh, millionaire latino and, and that seems to be like and i want some of the in between yeah um, number 11 just a regular guy yeah. just a, a re- or a, leg- a regular, regular woman just regular yeah uh, number 11 which is related do they wear outrageous clothing <laughs> open shirt uh, slightly related it seems to be a trope. Like a lot of times the outrageous Latino friend is also gay. Like it's the, the gay outrageous Latino guy with the open shirt. Right.
0: And then they put that in the show or movie and it's like, okay, there we yeah. go. Um, yeah. And I, I would call that like, uh, maybe there's probably a word for it, but I guess what I'd call it would be like the, the token egg basket or something like they're They're throwing <laughs> yes. all their token in, in <laughs> yeah, yeah. one, in one basket. We only have one slot. Yeah. What can we do? Well, how many
1: can we hit? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> number 12, are they uh, specifically a Mexican person in real life playing a different nationality right. of Latinos? Like, like because, Narcos. Yeah, like Narcos. And actually, Narcos, the main guy is Brazilian, so, but still. yeah. Um, and number 13, are they the comic relief? Okay.
0: Yeah. So, so so you're hitting on all the tropes that Latinx people are usually... Yes, yes. Like sh- so I guess it's the obvious, like, don't do don't this. Don't do the tropes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't do the tropes. Uh, okay, Colin, what are your criteria?
2: Well, just, like, I'm going to take five seconds to, like, sort of talk about something I said earlier. I, I also, because after hearing Umberto say that he's not suggesting all movies should be like this, that's really what I was trying to say. I'm not suggesting that this needs to be applied to every movie. And also what I meant by like traditional beauty, I meant on screen because if you look at old movies, all the like romance interest people, they were all white. So it still prevails. We're still like more shocked to see like the romance be somebody who's not white. So that's what I was talking about there. Now to my test, the Gerardal test. (laughs) After listening to Birdo's course, I love to write And as my friends lovingly told me today, you really love the sound of your own voice. So there's a little more here, Uh, but I only have 10 rules. So let me just knock through them. Number one, if a coming out moment is featured, then it is handled with substantial, tangible integrity. Okay. I couldn't say that they can't come out because that's a big thing for gays. So it has a right to be on screen. Okay. Number two, the most important gay character could be described in at least 10 other ways that have nothing to do with their sexuality. Okay. So, mm. so there, I, like there, that. I was reminded of the red letter media sketch on it, the first, <laughs> I think, you know what I'm talking about where they yeah, were yeah. trying to come up with descriptors for the phantom menace <laughs> characters. And they really couldn't because they're so <laughs> under That's a great one. So that was an, the inspiration for my number two
1: how do you describe this character well they're gay um, <laughs> yes. um i mean they're, they're in, in the s- movie they're, they're sassy
2: <laughs> they're sassy they kind of sound weird you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they right. have
1: that whole like gay thing because they're gay yeah you, don't don't know. G- you know gay
0: that
2: doesn't gay. that describe
0: they're, they're the entire gay. personality <laughs> and, and motivations of the entire character what more do you need to know
2: yes that's and that's when when people ask me like about kirk or burdo i say well you know they're straight and then I just can't think exactly. of anything else exactly
1: it's like oh <laughs> right, don't <no> way <laughs> tell me more
2: <laughs> so my number 3 is if a heteronormative character is offended confused dismissive sickened etc by the gay character i guess any gay character then that gay character does not adjust or soften the blow as a way of affirming a narrative of the safe homosexual.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I know what movie you're. I won't spoil it, <laughs> but I know exactly. I actually rewatched this movie with Stacy
2: recently. My number four, the gay element is not the central conflict. Like okay. I am gay, and that's a problem, and that's my only problem in this movie right. in my life right, of all right, time. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Number five, if a death is involved. Look, people die. Not here to say you can't kill your gay characters. But if a death is involved, then it is a crucial part of the narrative. And it isn't an artistic punishment
0: for being gay. Right. Right.
2: Because you're right. Because we don't all we not all gay characters on screen should be nor are altruistic. So (laughs) nice save. Number six, and this is also death related, but I felt like it needed its own number. If AIDS is involved, then it is a crucial part of the narrative. And it also isn't a punishment for being gay. Right. I, I also, I was tempted to put like, they can't die of AIDS. But again, I, I just, I felt like I couldn't nullify that story. Number seven, okay. two gay people talk about something in a unique way that is representative of their communication outside of being gay. So this is co- sort of the like most bechdel one, I guess. Right. Number eight, there exists some subversion in the narrative that makes it unique. Now, when I read these to my friend, the same one who said, I love the sound of my own voice, she said <laughs> she didn't know what that meant. But this, I was referencing Beginners because I think it's easy to like, this is what I meant by it. And we can take this number off if it doesn't end up staying in the cut. But like I was watching Beginners and that's one of the movies that I have down for one that passes it. And there was a subversion of the narrative. We're used to seeing the dad with the son who has to come out to him, but it was the reverse. The dad had to come out to the Mm. son. And that was like a refreshing new narrative. So, so some kind of newness and because I think there's a lot of nuance to being queer, even though as a disclaimer, as a gay man, myself, I made this only for cis gay men. So I hope that lesbians trans by, I hope they get their own lists. (laughs) So number nine, the sexuality of a gay person is not othered for the purpose of serving a narrative that others it. Right. Hmm. And I love a movie that does this, Basic Instinct, but her bisexuality is only to be like, wow, bisexuality is scary.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there, there, There's so many movies like that where yeah. essentially the bisexual or the gay person is the villain. And a, a part of their villainy and their otherness is that they... Uh, they they're not straight and it's scary Mm -hmm. and
1: queen's gambit
0: queen's gambit
2: when did that happen sorry i didn't
1: mean to squeak her friend quote unquote who's like (laughs) trying to get her to be irresponsible and drink when she didn't want to stay out she didn't want to drink and she's gonna miss the big game the next morning oh and they sleep together because that's what irresponsible bad people get you to do yeah
2: all right The final number, 10. If a gay person helps an ally on their own journey, that relationship is substantial for both parties. I think it's totally cool for people of all orientations to help all people of orientations, whatever. We should all be friends. However, there's a lot of the, and a lot of um, African-American people listening can probably relate to this. There's like the mystical queer as there is the mystical black person. Who exists in a story only to save the white person right and has no life outside of that, kind of the gay best friend thing, right so yeah that's the, it. The
0: same movie I'm thinking about is uh, <laughs> has that element as well, yeah, I like it so um for my test, I actually went a different direction and decided to do grades a B C D f
2: Ooh. because
0: I wanted a gradation uh, for, for my test, so very
2: ca- professor of you. <laughs>
0: um just uh, some so some considerations i've been talking about is that the uh, i consider the demographics of the time the place and the plot for example if a movie is set in rural kansas there might not be many asian american characters that's fine movie about the italian mob maybe no asian americans but if you have a movie in that takes place in current los angeles high school then there better be some effing asians in it and (laughs) what am i characterizing as asians well it's kind of complicated right because we're talking about literally half the planet's uh, population are considered asian in america i mean we (laughs) we have this category in the united states where you just say asian and uh something like how many billions we got seven and a half billion people on the planet, something like 4 billion people on the planet are considered Asian by American standards. So what does that even mean? You're you're essentially (laughs) saying, yeah, I'm from 60% of the earth. I'm from earth. You know, like if an alien (laughs) randomly ran into a earthling 60% of the time, it's going to be a quote unquote Asian person. You know what I mean? Um, And that doesn't even include Asians in, in, uh, like Afghanistan, because and I'm talking about just India, China, Japan, Indonesia. You know, anyway. But what I'm including are is what I consider to be my cultural, uh, I don't know, sort of pocket, which are East Asians, Southeast Asians, and Pacific Islanders. So East Asians like Japanese Americans, Korean Americans, Chinese Americans. Southeast Asians like Vietnam Americans, Indonesian Americans, Filipino Americans and Pacific Islanders like Samoan Americans, Hawaiian Americans. Now I know that there's some problems with that, but I don't know, I, I grew up with that designation and that's, that's, I'm sticking with it for this one. And, and I guess the way that I kind of gauge it is that when I see a Samoan American in a movie, I get excited. I'm like, oh, when I see a Vietnamese American or a Filipino American, I think even though I'm Japanese American, I feel like they are of my people, <laughs> even though mm-hmm. in that part of the world, they're as different from each other than we are to them. You know, Japanese people don't go, don't see a Filipino and say, oh, you are of my people. They, they don't see that at all. But in America, the way that I relate to Filipino Americans is very similar to the way I would relate to other Japanese Americans. Not exactly, but, but it, 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 this is my experience. And of course other people have other experiences, but now my grades are going from, you know, A to F and a i give if one of the top 3 characters that are listed in the cast list is is a you know asia pacific islander and no accent and noticeably asian american okay. because there's there's a lot of people who are like quarter or even half and you can't tell and and i th- and when you walk around in the united states you can tell <laughs> the asian mm-hmm. americans look asian american right so it, it, they need to have no accent like me and all my people, and they have to be noticeably Asian American. B is one in the top 10, top five, top three, sorry, with no accent, but not noticeably Asian American, which I'll get to later. C is top 10, no accent, noticeably Asian American. D is top 20, no accent, noticeably Asian American. And F is no Asian American cast member without an accent. So you could have, you know, all sorts of Asian American or Asian characters with accents Often actually they're Asian American actors that don't have accents cast uh, to have them have an accent like Mr. Miyagi, which I actually enjoy, but that doesn't pass this test. Um, And exceptions are made for other non-white characters, which I'll get into in a second. So the reason why I had it this way, instead of the way y'all and Bechdel did their test is that to expect an American film to have two Asian Americans talking <laughs> um, and to not ha- have at least some of the tropes I find to be too, too tall of an order <laughs> to a, you know. a bridge too far. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, I and I gauge it on what I'm happy about. It's like, if I just see, if I just see like a top 10 actor in a movie or a TV show that, that is Asian American noticeably and doesn't have an accent, I, vocally scream and my wife registers it every time (laughs) it happens. Um, So that's my test. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to go into my first movie and then we'll go around the horn. Uh, What do you say? That sounds great. After the break, let's do it. What do you say? Now I say that's great.
2: (laughs) Gotta go get my rainbow on.
0: All right. We're back from the break. So Berto If someone was both trying to get a Latinx non, you know, a a movie that passes your test, what's your test called again, Berto? Mine is the Berto Dell. So if you were trying to, uh, you know, you were doing a pitch for a Berto Dell movie, Uh a movie that passes the Berto Dell test, Uh and you were trying to get them to become a patron of the podcast. uh, What would that pitch sound like? All right. Hear this out. Hear this out. I got it. Fantastic movie idea.
1: So this ragtag band of, you know, outrageous people that are friends and they've been through hell and back. They are now down and out on their luck in in central Chicago and slash Toronto. And they're like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? We have no money. We have to have a startup. And then one of them starts going sort of like nuts, like, oh, my God, I can't handle reality. And so the others are like oh my gosh you know what i think we all need to like sit down and listen to a podcast together but then they all vote on it and they're like but there's so many options what should we listen to <laughs> and then the guy the the one going sort of like nuts so it's like i can't listen to anything they all make me insane and then someone's like hey, calm down calm down there's one where there's this guy that all he does is yells out crazy wacky characters at the intermission of the podcast. It'll make you feel relatable. And so they listened to psychology in Seattle. And as they were listening, they thought, oh my gosh, we should support this thing. And they all became patrons. And by doing so, a fairy godmother descended and turned them all into Colombians.
0: The end. Wait wait wait. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Sir, when does the mariachi band enter the, the picture?
1: Well, oh, yeah, I need to get this thing sold. Right. So, like, uh, where they were at first re- uh, gathering at the park, there was a mariachi band playing right there. And it was the Day of the Dead. And actually, one of the guys comes up and says, Hey, I say, I'm a drug dealer. Do you have any money
0: for me? And it's really great. You'll love it. Okay. So, Greenlet. <laughs> um, So, Colin, you have an announcement to make.
2: I do. Yes. Uh, So, first off, I just wanted to say that I love psychology in Seattle, and it's been a wonderful experience. And I am going, I hopefully, to continue returning as a guest on the podcast here and there. Yeah. But in terms of being a social media ambassador, um, I have chosen to let that responsibility go because I'm going to pursue my work more with the Gay Men's Mindfulness Collective. And to kind of wrap that up, I just wanted to say, first of all, thank you to Kirk for the opportunity. Thank you to Berto for being an amazing co-host. Thank you to all of the people on Discord who are Piss Guardians. Uh, If you want to know more about that, go to the Discord. And for all of the admin (laughs) on the Psychology in Seattle fan page. And for the people on Reddit who are keeping the content coming. You're all doing an amazing job. And I look forward to continuing to explore with you in chats and conversations and all of that good stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm really happy for you, Colin. And as your career progresses in the, all the various pursuits that you're doing, just to clarify, you're still going to be a part of the community, if you will. Right, Colin? Yeah, Yeah. Totally. And you'll be on the podcast, which a lot of people, that's all that they know you from it. Because, you know, I think <laughs> most people don't even use our social media platforms. You know what I mean? The people who do definitely know you, right? Yeah. In the short time that Colin was working for us, he just did fantastic, so much work. In some ways, it's almost kind of running on its own now because he was so good at it. <laughs> so much that the rest Highest of us- daughter. Yeah, that could just kind of, Let a lot of it just coast now because it's it's going so well. So thank you so much, Colin, for all that you did. You know we had a lot of conversations behind the scenes about how to create community, and and you just were a master at it. So thanks a lot, Colin. Thank you, Colin,
1: and best of luck with that, man. When when are you already engaged with that, or when does it start?
2: I've been working with them for quite some time. I think the community is just growing and. The jobs, they're piling up, man. Is there a
1: link? Is it, what do we do? How do I?
2: Well, um, if you identify as a gay man, yeah. Well, which... Is there
1: a way to like support the cause or like,
2: yeah, totally. Voice, you know? um, if you have interest in supporting, um, so Brian Felduto, who was a guest on the podcast before, he actually is kind of the, well, he's not kind of, he's 100% the daddy of this whole enterprise. He has a podcast called the Gay Life Goes Podcast. Go listen to that. But um, if you're interested in supporting, um, he has an email, which I'll, I'll drop here with my vocal cords. It's brianfelduto at brianfelduto.com. And he has a website, brianfelduto.com. And he can F-E-L-D-U-T-O? tell you how to support it.
1: <laughs> F-E-L-D-U-T-O.
2: Yes, I know. It's a, it's a beautiful romantic name. I love, I love typing it into my, <laughs> my email every day. <laughs>
0: Okay. So my first, okay. So I I thought I need to limit my movie uh, search because there's so many movies, right? So I thought, well, if, if we look at the United States, so, you know, if I look at French movies, for example, or movies that take place in France, that's a harder thing to, there are plenty of Asian French people, but I, I I'm not familiar with that so much. So I, I relegated to, to Americans. And I thought, well, how many East and Southeast Pacific Islander Asian Americans are there? You know, so let's, let's try to get like a percentage. Cause if it's 1% of the population, then we shouldn't see that many characters. But when we look at it, uh, Colin, uh, what percentage of the total American population are East Southeast Asian full and mixed? What do you say, Colin?
2: I'm going to go with 45
0: of Americans are Asian Americans.
2: I'm not good with percentages. (laughs) I didn't want to undersell it, but I wanted to give like a, like a thirsty good number because I want those people to feel seen.
0: Uh, Birdo. uh, What percentage would you say? Let's just say it's less than 45%. I'll go. uh, I'll go 15%. It's 7%. So, okay. 7% of total American population. So, you know, it's not a lot, but it's, sizable. You know, pretty one in close
2: to forty-five. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty close. close.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: everyone comes from Asia in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> but then you say, well, a lot of those are immigrants. So some of those are gonna have accents. Well, back of the napkin, you know, conservative, about five percent of the U.S. population are Asian American without accent, like myself, like my parent like my dad, like my grandparents, about five percent. So one in twenty American citizens are Asian American looking and do not have an accent. And then we look at different cities. So, Berto, what American city has the most Asian Americans? Um, San Francisco. Colin, uh, you get another guess. This this uh, city actually has forty four percent Asian Americans oh, that yeah, live I in the have city. Gone in
2: Hawaii. Damn it. So dumb. I mean, that's not where I'm going. I'm probably going to get this wrong too. Um, New York.
0: Berto. Guess again. That's not a bad guess, by the way. Honolulu. Yeah, Honolulu is 44% of American city. But that, but that's, so this goes to your point. I, I don't even like, I see so many things about Hawaii that are not Haitian. So then I forgot. Right. Honolulu is filthy with my people. <laughs> Just filthy. And San Francisco, number two, as you, did you say San Francisco, bro? I did. That was my yeah. first guess. Uh, it's 23%. Uh, LA is fifteen percent, Sacramento twelve, Seattle, Tacoma, metropolitan eleven percent. Uh, New York is ten percent. So it was a pretty good guess, there, Colin. And Baltimore, not forty five. Not 45. <laughs> right. San Diego eleven. Rule three. That
2: joke is dead.
0: Okay. <laughs> no, let's just keep rolling it out. Um, uh, Baltimore, Washington, nine percent. Greater Houston, seven percent. Then we got Boston, Chicago, Dallas, and Philadelphia. Uh, so hey Dallas yeah Dallas Yay. is top 12 or something and it's hilarious uh, and I'm an Asian American so I could say this when I hear an Asian American with a southern accent I just find it to be <laughs> the, the funniest <laughs> the funniest sound there's this there's this Asian American southern comic from the 90s that i i just thought and he had a lot of jokes about it he's like yep this is not the accent you thought you're gonna hear So you know <laughs> it's pretty funny
2: there's a character like that i think we talked about him in palm springs there's like he's not a main character but oh, right he's like a cowboy asian oh, yeah, and people forget true. the there's a great youtube channel called the try guys and there's just four dudes that try things <laughs> hence the name and one of them eugene is uh he's korean and he's from texas yeah so, yeah
0: Dude, i yeah. want to watch that movie again you just reminded me how much i liked it now since not a lot of movies take place in honolulu san francisco yeah but la i mean every tv show half of tv shows half of movies take place in la because of convenience and so i decided i would look at movies that take place in the la area so in the la area we're looking at 15% Asian American. That's a, that's a lot of Asian Americans and back of the napkin, 12% of Los Angelinos do not have an accent as Asian Americans. So, so we're talking like one in eight human beings who live in the greater Los Angeles area are noticeably Asian American with no accent, meaning they were born or their grandparents or their great grandparents were born in the United States. So, my first movie is a movie that I love that is Booksmart from 2019. Ooh. I think I gave this like a 10 out of 10 I th- or maybe hmm. a 9 out of 10. I, I think this movie is just a of its Baby's form, uh, you know, of movies that take place on the final night of high school. This is just a superb movie that's funny and touching and interesting and random and the characters. I mean, there's some slow moments, but... I just really liked it. I really love that relationship. Female too.
2: directed too. I think yeah. Olivia Wilde.
0: Yep, hundred percent Olivia Wilde. So this the, now to be, be even more specific, not only in Los Angeles, but it takes place at a public high school, and there's a large cast, and it is a ensemble cast. You know, there's a two main characters, but there's a lot of secondary characters. So this isn't like two girls go up to the cabin together by themselves. You know, we're talking like a whole high school is graduating. There's a huge party that they go to with, you know, dozens of other kids. So and I also looked at, well, because people might say, well, you know, it's sort of a white private school or something. Nope. It takes place at a public school and they film it at San Fernando High School. And I looked at the website earlier today. There isn't a single white person in the entirety of the website. I don't among the teachers, among the the student body, it seems like maybe sixty percent Latinx, and you throw in some Asians in there as well, and some Black people, and there's like one lonely white person in the back. So that's what. Oh, sorry.
1: Uh, one quick question. Uh, I'm sorry to be ignorant. What does Latinx actually stand for?
0: So you know how y'all down south of the border will. Genderize every word, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Latino. Oh, so instead
1: of saying Latinos and Latinas, you say Latinx.
0: Right. Because originally oh, people would say geez. Latino, and then women are like, um, I'm not Latino. <laughs> I'm Latina. Uh, the same is with, you know, Filipina and Filipino. Okay. It's also filmed in Glendale and Pasadena. And you think, well, Glendale and Pasadena is a lot of white people. Nope. Glendale, 16% Asian, 17% Latinx. Pasadena, 14% Asian, 34% Latinx, a third. So we're talking about a huge and then 11% Black. So we're talking about like white people are one of the minorities um, in, in Pasadena. So, so you should expect there, this cast should just be sick with Latinx, Blacks, and Asians and some white people, you know, say half the characters are white. The two main characters are white, of course. And we have to go all the way down to fifteen, the fifteenth named character, Tanner, who is a Asian American, I believe, uh, half Japanese. He, his last name's Hiraga. He has no accent, so that's good. Uh, and he is just a regular guy. He's just a regular high school kid. He has a couple lines, but it's real brief. And in terms of like extras, you, you, we hardly see any. And there's not a single Latinx person in the, in the cast. What? Really? Yeah. Again, this takes place in Los Angeles at a public school <laughs> in, and in San Fernando or Glendale or Pasadena, which is just, you know, run, the, brimmeth, the brim runneth over with Latin, at least Latinx people and Asians. Yeah. And, we, and they have three black people. Oh, no, there's a Mexican-American, Eduardo Franco, plays Theo. Uh, and he's actually kind of a funny character. Oh, so he's the comic relief. Yeah, <laughs> he is a comic relief. But he's also super smart, and he was accepted uh, okay. at MIT or something. I can't remember. Yeah, that, or no, I he go. was going to get hired by like Google for like you know six figures just right out of high school or something like that. Anyway, Well, anyway, so according to my uh, rating, it's a D. Because yeah. 15th character, so it's a character in the top 20 um and also there's just very few uh people of color so if 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 the one of the main characters was a latinx character i might have bumped it up a little bit because i'm thinking well you know at least there's some representation of other groups of people so, right. so although i love book smart i give it a d that's my very long explanation <laughs> give us your first movie and and do the one that you think i'm referring to because I, I gotta know
2: i actually i was waiting for this moment i have no idea I think, by the way, Professor, I misunderstood my homework instructions because I picked three movies that do pass it. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. So, maybe um, if you can think off the top. Well, so let me ask you yeah, about
0: yeah. the movie with Jack Nicholson where he has OCD uh, and Greg Kinnear plays a gay guy.
1: Oh, and Helen Hunt. Is that as good as it gets? As yeah. good as it
0: gets, yeah. yeah I like yeah, that yeah, movie. Because yeah. when you said that trope of... The gay character, although being treated poorly as a gay person by a straight character, does the gay character basically just forgive the straight bigot? That's
2: true. That's true. I have extreme doubts that that movie would pass the test. I'm, I'm thinking characters, like, I think he's the only gay character in that movie. And I don't think he talks to another gay character. And it's been a while since I've seen it, but... I don't think, again, it's all recalling from a very distant memory, but I think his purpose in the story is to serve the betterment of the Jack Nicholson character. Right. So I think that would be like the biggest strike against it. Anyway, so what what movie passes your test? I actually put Beginners. And that's probably, of of the three, I, I picked Beginners, A Single Man, and Stranger by the Lake- which is the only one of those that isn't uh, an American film. That's a French film, but I'll talk about beginners because I rewatched it this morning and I, re- I was really, really touched by it. So I saw this movie when it was released in theaters. I believe it was 2011, 2011 or 2010. It's a murky time period for me, but I had just, it was on my first date with my first boyfriend, you know, I had like, been with guys before I knew I was gay, but I, I, I wasn't out yet. But that was like, I had decided, okay, you've, you've spent too long in the closet, you've, you've done too much of the not actually dating guys thing. Let's let's try and make this real. And it was this electric night and the movie was amazing we had gone to see it at the angelica in plano and we had this beautiful walk down by the water and the fountain was all kinds of colors we had this like amazing kiss and so the movie is like totally tied to a kind of beginning for me mm. where i had decided to take a leap forward in my young adulthood you should make a movie, movie about, about that night
0: that. you should make a movie about that night
2: yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll get to work on that. Um <laughs> it, it just it's it's just a really special film because the you wouldn't think at all like if you looked at the at scenes and clips from the movie you wouldn't think it's a gay movie. What I mean by that is is there's there's common images that come to mind you think of like shirtless, you know, washboard abs guys like doing and, and you think of them like partying and or usually there's like drag queens and even the music comes to mind. Certain music comes to mind like Lady Gaga. And certainly I am not saying like any LGBTQ people who enjoy those things, represent those things, you know, they're not wrong. Um but I think that there's a common association with those things. But this is like a quiet nuanced film that's really just about showing the beauty of connection between people the love between people and also the love of people and dogs and it's all this you know (laughs) it's this wonderful there's a wonderful storyline about how the last because it's not a spoiler I mean the um the dad character how he passes away and there's time jumps in the movie you see him a lot of the time alive but uh, sometimes you see him after he's passed and you the Ewan McGregor character has inherited this dog and kind of like in Annie Hall where they put subtitles you know to what the people are saying on that balcony they have subtitles for the dog giving him various looks and it becomes this thing where the dog starts to cry whenever Ewan McGregor leaves to go somewhere and the dog has to go with him and as a huge dog lover myself I just really connected with that and I think that what makes it special is that the, the gay character in the film has no traditional gay attributes. It's played by Christopher Plummer, late, great Christopher Plummer. It's another reason why it was a very emotional watch because we just lost him. Uh, he was a giant in cinema as film lovers will know, uh, sound of music guy in case anybody needs a quick reference. And, um, he, he's like very quiet. He's, I can, I wrote a whole list. I won't bore you with it all, but there are so many attributes to this character's personality. And it's not about him coming out. It's about appreciating who he was as a person. And ultimately that's what I want as a gay man. Characters, not necessarily that they're loved because like I just watched, I care a lot about two very ethically questionable lesbians and I loved it. I'm not saying they have to be good people but we the script has to appreciate that character's presence and you walk away from beginners feeling like you've lost how because your time with that movie is now over yeah
0: yeah beginners is a beautiful movie i i need to rewatch it i remember really loving it when it first came out colin give us your other two movies real quick
2: so a single man yeah and that was a movie that i saw on a less successful date nevertheless it was, <laughs> i think about it <laughs> i think it was about a year earlier was, and a different angelica actually that was the dallas one and uh i think that a single man is wonderful because it's again there is a gay character in it and i think a lot of people would go uh eh, well you know and again it's not a spoiler like the romance is over. One of the gays died. They can't have a happy ending. I know a lot of gay people want happy endings for their character. I totally respect that. That's not me. It's not necessarily what I'm looking for, but you, you really get a sense of who George is as a person. Once again, what I'm looking for and it's about him appreciating his life It's not about him coming out because he doesn't, he remains closeted through the entire movie, but he realizes that in his grief and as kind of a connection to his inner turmoil of not being able to come out as gay and be open with his students, he lives his day differently. And so things that he wouldn't have appreciated before he, he's appreciating for the first time on a new level, people he's met, his classroom of students, his Best friend Charlie, who's played amazingly by Julianne Moore, and this one is based on a book that I read. I have no idea about Beginners. Um, this is a Christopher Isherwood novel. And it's beautifully adapted.
0: Yeah.
2: And then the last one, Stranger by the Lake, is a French film, and it's extremely different from the first two. So this is about a hookup spot in uh, in France where gays meet by the lake. And they hook up. Somebody dies. <laughs> and there's a little mm-hmm. bit of, it's not necessarily a mystery. It's an examination of the animalistic style of sexuality. And what I like about the film is that it's it's about the repression and othering of gay people without it being about the oppression or othering of gay people. It's done in a very um, mm-hmm. symbolic way where you get the sense that all of these men are like put onto this preserve. Like you would put, you know, certain wild cats that don't have a place in society. And you do get the sense of it's, it's a very, again, it's a very delicate script because you could get, you could in worse script, make the connection of, Oh, well a gay person kills another gay person. So are we saying that they are animals and they should be put on this preserve? I, it it doesn't go there at all. Um, Actually, what this, what I think the movie is trying to say, is that because society has repressed our ability to express ourselves uh, for so many years, I mean, years and years and years since people have been people, it's been repressed. Um, that we're not one of the um, one of the guys who isn't gay, who actually is the detective that goes to investigate the crime says you know sometimes i find it strange how you guys love each other but and i know you're like oh is that shaming the gay culture and it's not he's he's just saying that it's like oh yeah we've we've created these constructs in which you you kind of have to relate to each other in these bizarre ways because we don't accept the you know we don't accept you in traditional society so yeah stranger by the lake check it out um be careful though because if you're not If you don't like seeing bodies, if you're triggered, there's, it's very frank about the human body. And there's a lot of naked people of all shapes and sizes.
0: Yeah. Interesting point. You bring that up that there are, there's this line between making a movie that otherizes and making a movie about being otherized. (laughs) When you're in that group, that otherized group, and you're watching the movie, you know, the difference, you feel it like, oh, this is actually sure. There's a depiction of otherizing, but it's sympathetic to the other, otherized group, or it's told from their perspective, the characters who are there, otherized are respectfully or fully realized. Uh, Berto, give me your three. Uh, I have a long list, but I can do three. Um, all right, let's see, let's
1: pick some. All right. So you mentioned West side story, (laughs) but I, I was little when that came out. It's also a long time ago. So I'm actually going to go a little more recent than this, but the, the brief mention there is that, uh, it was, it, you know, Latin culture played a big role in that story, but there were a lot, uh, the main character, Natalie Wood, was a white girl playing a, a Latin gal. Uh, but here are the ones. So number one, uh, Romancing the Stone. Oh, it's a yeah. Movie, drug movie dealer. I love Col- I love that Colombian, movie. It, Colombian drug dealer, right? <laughs>
0: so That's if an if, F.
1: If you haven't ever seen it, you know, it's uh, Michael yeah. Douglas and, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kathleen, Turner. Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner. Yeah, I was going to say Michelle. Foy. Kathleen Turner. And yeah, it takes place in quote unquote, Columbia. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was in Colombia at the time. We all went to see it in the theater and we were all like, that's not Columbia. <laughs> and it's okay, but it's, it, it's just like, of course it was about drugs and everything was portrayed. And like, it's just this sweltering jungle and it's just full of drug dealers. And I love the movie. It's just, it does a really bad job of I was showing the other side of the coin. <laughs>
0: right. The The Latino guy is one, probably not Colombian, right?
1: No, everyone everyone had uh, was clearly Mexican, which is f- fine. I mean, like, that's how they were able to probably get the movie funded, right? Like, it was just a movie that I loved. And all of us that we saw it, we were like, that was awesome. But at the same time, are they making fun of us? My a little bit. mule, Pepe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So... It was not Colombia. No one in it was Colombian. Yeah. All the accents were Mexican. Yeah, and he's a drug and dealer. Everyone was a drug dealer. And
0: he was violent and he was yeah. a killer. And he was a criminal. Yeah. And he was and of course kind of like you know, a magical la- Latino because right? he had the magical solution. Yeah. The now, were there drug dealers? Yes. Are they but it's
1: it's it all goes down to like, yeah, but that's the only thing. Yeah.
2: Right, right. <laughs> all right. right.
1: So that's one.
2: Um, (laughs) Yeah. A plus filmmaking, F for representation.
1: Yes, exactly. All right. The next one is. um, All right. So this one's a little tricky because, again, it's it's a thing. It's a great series. Narcos. Uh, Narcos is, again, a great series. Really good uh, TV or TV series about Pablo Escobar. uh, At least the first two seasons Um, with man. is, Is Mando in it?
2: I think so isn't okay. it pedro yeah, Pascal?
0: yeah yeah, yeah. he's oh, the okay other... he's, the, he's the he's the main the is he mm-hmm. the main guy or... no he's the friend of the main he's guy the friend. Well, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, right the other because team. the main
1: guy the guy that plays pablo escobar is brazilian mm-hmm. and so here's the here's the funny thing my brother grew up in this country so he he didn't, didn't learn sense. spanish when he was little yeah. he only learned it as an adult so uh, he doesn't hear the accent differences very well, just like I, I can't tell accents apart very well with other languages, but I can when it comes to Spanish. So uh, he tells me, "Oh my gosh, I watched it. That guy's amazing." And I watched it, and I had just gotten done watching uh, Pablo Escobar el Patron del Mal, which is a Colombian soap opera that's like nine seasons long, with a guy that basically. Once you watch it, you're, you, it's almost impossible to remember the real Pablo Escobar because this guy did it so well. So I had just seen that, and I, watched, and I start watching this one. And the poor guy, the guy's doing a great job. It's just that he sounds nothing like a Colombian, let alone like Pablo Escobar, like nothing. <laughs> now, they did have some in the show that were Colombians and, and sounded Colombian. And so I was actually happy about that. But the main character... It's like, oh my gosh, you could have found. In fact, you could have hired the guy that played him in the Colombian one. All right, so love the show. I I didn't actually see the second and third seasons, but I think it's a great, very well-made show. It's just unfortunate that, first of all, again, glorifying the drugs, and it's almost even worse because that show actually is like, look at these heroic, you know, U.S. you know, um, drug enforcement people. And look at those drug addicted or, you know, drug. Right. You
0: you could have told the story (laughs) from a Colombian. You could have told it from the the main, the main
1: cop. So my, my next movie is uh, another one that I love. Like It's funny. All these movies I actually love. It's just, um, (laughs) and I actually have two, but I'm going to pick one of them. This one is Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) (laughs) I love Napoleon Dynamite. It's awesome. Yeah, and in a way, this almost makes it okay because it's just that he's got his little like Latin, Latino Latinx friend, yeah, and it, and he's you know he's like oh, meek meek little Latinx friend with a little vote, vote for Pedro, his, yeah. vote for Pedro and stuff, and he even has a little funny almost Cantinflas mustache, which is like Cantinflas is a f- famous Mexican um, comedian. Um, when I saw it, look, I love the movie. I think he's funny. I think Pedro is funny. I think the whole thing is funny. It's just a reminder. It's this painful little nab inside my ribs. It's like, that's all you get. That's yeah. all you get. That's all you
0: get. Yeah.
1: And so I'm like, gosh, darn it. Why can't we have, like, that's the, that's the exception to the rules? like, oh my gosh, that's funny. Because, you know, we know normally Latin, Latinx people are normal. <laughs> yeah.
0: What do you think about his follow-up of uh, Nacho Libre?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. So that one's another one. That one's on my list, too. It's like... All right, yes, we get that the Mexicans have their wrestling, and then then you're the white guy who goes to Mexico and now you're a wrestler and it's, um, it's funny I, I didn't think it was quite as funny it's a, it's a funny movie there's some really funny moments in it uh, but again i there isn't like the serious movies about um i don't know about all these topics right, i guess right. i it's it's really hard because as I was making the list I actually don't have in a way, bad things in here. A lot of them were, some of them are shows like there's uh Modern Family, but I have Scarface, I have Speedy Gonzalez, I have Family Guy with Consuela. I have all these things. They're all fun. I love all
0: these things. They're funny. But, but they don't pass your test.
1: They don't pass my test and where are the ones that do? There's so few and far between.
0: Yeah. So Yeah. The, the thing that I always think about is I spent some time in Mexico City. Well, I guess I'll say I spent time in Bogota as well. When you're, in these two metropolitan, major metropolitan areas, you, you go, oh, Mexico City and Bogota are more similar to Seattle than I think people realize. You, right. you have hospitals and office buildings <laughs> and,
1: hospitals.
0: and museums yeah. and and yeah. corner stores and restaurants, k- kids going to school and buses and yeah. Uber drivers and bars. And yeah, it's not that different. And yeah. where's the movie about mexicans who go to university yeah i mean where's the you know our friend carlos drummer that was in our band and then was in uh, my band bread knife incident he works at chrysler he's an engineer who works at chrysler in what in um a mexican engineer well actually
1: that that almost all my friends from school in colombia have higher education than i do right most all of them got the equivalent of PhDs in
0: in, in whatever fields they did. Right. In, in cocaine management In cocaine management. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So my two, my last two movies are La La Land, which Birdo loves. Um, How many, how many Birdos do you give La La Land? Oh my gosh. Well, I don't know. I haven't done the the
1: Latinx analysis, although it is it is LA, right? And it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, there's
2: a lot of overlap
0: between you and me, actually. Yeah, famous
2: true. Asian American actress, uh Emma Stone is in it. Emma Stone. Yeah. Asian <laughs> American Emma Stone.
1: Look, She's Lala great. Land. Lala Land is the movie that I love because it won me my prize at your Oscar party because I yeah. bet against it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Um, so the seventh character listed is uh, Sonoya Mizuno, who is Japanese, Argentinian, British. She's the main character from Devs, by the way. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and she just plays like one of the three women friends of Emma Stone. Hmm. And she does like dancing and she's half, but seventh in in the, you know, lineup. And there's only one other non-white person in the top 10, which is John legend. So not only is this a movie that takes place in Los Angeles, that should have a lot more Asian Americans in the cast, but this is a movie about jazz (laughs) (laughs) and there's one (laughs) black person in the top, in the top 10. So I give it a D uh, because, you know, there's a, there's a character, but there's not many even in the background. And so, and again, Los Angeles people if this took place in Kansas fine but if you're gonna (laughs) goddamn shoot it in Los Angeles then make it look like Los Angeles it'd be like shooting in Los Angeles it's like when people shoot movies in Seattle but they're actually in Vancouver Canada (laughs) just say you're in Vancouver just make it Canadian so anyway my third movie is Stuber has anyone seen Stuber the movie comedy movie I
2: do love Kumail Nanjiani like Big Sick was my favorite film that year yeah Big Sick I didn't see Stuber
0: Have you seen Big Sick, Birdo yet? Not yet. You have to see it. It is comedy slash touching at its best. It is just...
2: Similar to beginners. It captures life, right? Where it's like funny, then sad, and both of them together, and real characters, real dialogue. Yeah.
0: Anyway, Stuber, 2019. It takes place in Los Angeles about an Uber driver who picks up a cop trying to catch a killer. And it takes place in current day. So top three... Build actors Kumail Nanjiani, who is not East Asian but is from Asia, Pakistani. We have Dave Bautista, who is half Filipino. Did anyone know that? I don't think I knew. Well, I mean, I always wondered about the last name, but I didn't know that. Yeah, you know I mean, Dra- Drax from. The, oh, I know he is. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: I'm not. I'm not sure what that race is called, but he's really good at killing aliens. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, he's he's half Filipino, no accent, <laughs> and a character, and. Uh, he's not super noticeable, right? Uh, but, you know, uh, half Filipino. And I I see him as, you know, I'm like, oh, he looks half Asian. um, And then a Indonesian actor from Indonesia is the third person. So, but he has an accent. So I give this one an A, even though it doesn't really pass it. Because I don't know if a lot of people think of Dave. It's the same thing with The Rock. The Rock is, is Asian. He's Pacific Islander. He's Samoan. He, I think he's part black. I think he's part black, right? Mm-hmm. But he's but he's also
2: I feel like some people transcend race and humanity when they're wrestlers. Like Gustavo, <laughs> my one of my my bestie, he loves wrestling. And so like he he just sees Dave Batista as like wrestler man. And same with the rock. Like and and when you when you experience people in that world, like they're gods. And so it was interesting because again, as I mentioned, I see Drax as, or see, I just called him Drax. I see Batista as, as the alien from <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's just so interesting. You're right. Like people have all these different associations.
0: Yeah, well, so that's one of the problems with America and with Americans, with white Americans, is that unless it's super overt, they'll just think of them as like either white or black. Yeah. And Uh, And it's and it's often not the case, like with um, Bruno Mars. A lot of people think of him as black, but he's not black (laughs) or maybe he's part black, but he's definitely Filipino. Let me look that up, Bruno Mars. Actually, and then
2: what as a and Kirk, I have a question about this, actually.
0: Sorry, Bruno Mars is Puerto Rican and Filipino. To me, Bruno Mars is an Asian American artist. But how many people think of Bruno Mars as an Asian American artist? Right. It, it erases Asian-Americans from the, from the face of our society. It's just like, you're just erased.
2: Yeah. I, I guess my, my question is as a mixed race person, we're, what do we say like for the people out there that are like, cause for me, I just think it's what a person chooses. Right. Like as they, as they identify and I, but again, I don't want to like talk, speak of my own cis white privilege and be like, Oh, it's all, all of your responsibility. Like I just, I just want to seek to not offend and make sure people are represented how they want to be.
0: You What's know? your question?
2: I'm wondering like what, if you have a question, if you're not sure, like for, okay. So for somebody who is mixed race, cause like, okay. So my partner Connor is mixed race. He's Asian, he's Hispanic, and he's white. And for him, it's, it doesn't, there's always this like pressure that people sort of feel to like get it right Or to guess, both kind of serve to make him feel bad. And so I'm wondering, like, moving forward, like, shouldn't it just be, okay, I'm really in a roundabout way, hypothetical person wants to find it out. What is like a nice way of finding out so that you don't offend the person? Well,
0: one, how many people, how many white people ask other white people?
2: Right. Yeah. Okay. So like it's why does it doesn't matter, right? Like in terms of it's not your business. Well it matters. It
0: matters, but yeah, it matters. If every time I which is a thing, and Connor knows this too, you come across a white person and they're like, What are you? It's just like fuck, you know. Oh yeah, he hates that. (laughs) Like understandably. It's this complete otherizing question. Mm -hmm. And you know that they don't walk up to other white people and say, What are you? They only ask people that they can't figure out. You know, the first 50 times I was asked in my life, I just answered it. But by the 5,000th the time, particularly as I got away from other people of color, you know, as I go further into rural areas in America, and frankly, into Canada, uh, which was one of the worst experiences, someone, uh, I was talking with someone for a long time in Canada, and I'm just entertaining them as they asked me about my ethnicity. And then they're just like, so who's sponsoring you? And I'm like, what do you mean sponsor? What are they even, I don't even know what that means. They're really digging into it. Well, you know, who's, you know, who's sponsored? Cause you know, there's this, there's this Japanese woman who lives, you know, and so someone's sponsoring her. And I'm like, sponsor, what the hell are you talking about? And then this other person chimes in and is like, no, he's probably born in the United States. So this person just figured, because <laughs> in, apparently in Canada or according to this, this group of people, in order for an Asian to legitimately live in Canada, they have to be sponsored by a, a white person, wow. essentially, a Canadian yeah. citizen. Anyway, so one, if you are of privilege and white and you are curious, it's similar to uh, – What are you supposed to do if you're curious about the way a black person's hair feels? What are you supposed to do about that? How about shut the F (laughs) up? How about you just keep it to your goddamn self? Yeah, I
2: think what I was meaning is they're like, okay, so for our purposes on the podcast, when you just in this moment were thinking, how does Bruno Mars identify? And I'm thinking like, if somebody's like in charge of his social media or like writing an article and they want to know everything, like where he's from, who he is, like the approach, I guess, is just put down everything, like just put that because that's for what I would think. But then it becomes like whose business is it there as well?
0: It's complex. And every individual is different. I have my particular thing given my pocket and other people have theirs. Uh, There's a lot of different situations. You know, part of you is like, well, I want to honor that. Maybe it's just like, I want to be sensitive to it. I want to honor it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah it's okay to ask along those lines. Like, you know, I've had people come to me and they're just like, so I don't want to be insensitive and I really don't want to be racist, but what is your heritage? (laughs) And I'll be like, oh, okay. You know, uh, for me and not everyone in, you know, that's a person of color is going to react this way. But for me, I'm like, okay, you know, even if it was a really off, topic question i'm like okay well you know you gave it a shot and you you were nice about it you recognize that you might be stepping in it and and for me that's okay um and i'm happy to answer now it depends on what their response is to that you know if they're just like super focused on the fact that i'm japanese american then it's like okay you know i'm also other things besides japanese american right
1: personally I found that I um I just kind of keep my guard down when it comes to that stuff because there's I've been actually surprised pleasantly surprised a few times where it's like where are you from and you know I could be like uh, well you know I'm, I'm from Tacoma <laughs> but you know I, I know what they're getting at and it's like I'm, I'm from Columbia South America and I usually I'm or I had been for a lot of my life expecting like whoa like first of all if I say Columbia they're like oh uh, like from washington dc right like I, i'm expecting them to think i mean district of columbia uh and that happened to me when i was in high school several times you know I'd be like, i'm from columbia and then they would be like talking to me about things that i had it's like have you been to the monuments but i'm like what what are you talking about <laughs> um so then i always say i'm from columbia south america right and then i had come to expect that oh whoa you know that kind of thing is it, your uncle pablo that used to happen all the time in high school as well but over the years, I started noticing, I I don't know if people started getting more cosmopolitan or more traveled or whatever, because I would get like, oh, my, my, my wife is Colombian. <laughs> or, oh, yeah, I live with a Colombian. Or, oh, I just got back from Colombia. And every time I'm always like, oh, really? Oh, okay. So it's not like this weird thing to you. Okay, that's good.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, you came to the united states at the height of the the, worst time of the cocaine criminal association and there's a like like colin do you associate columbia with cocaine and and crime
2: no but it's (laughs) only because i don't have i think this is another part of the problem i don't have much association with it at all because we don't get a lot of
0: yeah but that's different, so if you grew up in our generation, yeah. you could not avoid it George H. w. Bush talked about it all the time you know it was yeah, all about the- you know Pablo Escobar and the Colombians. The, by yeah. the way, to me
1: that's a little bit like um almost like saying uh i mean i'm sure this this might sound offensive, but let me just try to say it, imagine you're like oh i'm from from africa from uh the You know, let's say I'm from Nigeria or something. Um, And I go, oh, that's the place with all the that that sent all those slaves or something like this. Like, you know, like you're you're blaming the people that were were actually a victims of this thing for something. And you're acting annoyed about it because it's like, oh, Colombia yeah that's the country we are buying drugs from, and we <laughs> yeah. are keeping drugs illegal so that they are in misery and in poverty and they like no one ever
0: <laughs> yeah. kind of brought that up so what's the final word Colin and burdo uh Colin, give us your final word
2: I think that intention comes to it, it really all of it comes down to intention uh, and I would attach that to with movies as well. I, I think that you kind of hit it right on the head, Kirk, when you said you can tell like an othering script, you know, you can tell when it's othered from a mile away, if you are that othered group. And the, the goal really is I, I'm going to, I'm going to burdo Stan for a little bit. I also think the goal is that we get to a place where, you know, people of any race can be any kind of job, And it's not this revolutionary thing. We have a long way to go. He's right about the system. And I think that, you know, to kind of explain sort of the last little tail end of what I was just talking about, I think that people are seeking, people of all races are seeking to simultaneously, like, not other people because of their race or sexuality or religion. And then they're also trying to really celebrate the individuality of what all of those things mean. And I think I'm just curious. I want to see like moving forward, how we can merge the two, how we're not othered. And yet we can celebrate all of the things that our culture before and our individuality and present make us who we are. So that's kind of where I was sort of curious.
1: Yeah. Final word for me is um, I, I'm always having to make this mental decision of, it's okay to enjoy movies that make me into a caricature,
0: but I want it to change. Mm-hmm. And everyone out there, please take care of yourself. Develop your own Bechdel tests and let us know what they are because I I would be curious, email us, go to psychology, Seattle click on the contact page and maybe we'll, and and maybe a few movies that pass or don't pass your test. And maybe we'll make another episode out of that. That'd be kind of fun. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I don't know, various different Italian Americans that they're not mobsters and right. They don't talk like uh, stereotypical goombas, you know, (laughs) not always Uh, Mario.
2: Yeah. Like I had, I just had a moment where I was thinking about show and I was like, she could do one for like Jewish women. But then I had that moment where I'm like, well, I don't really know. I can't be sure. So I'd have to double check with her and see yeah. if she is.
0: So. Right. So uh, maybe we can make another episode where we talk about the the listeners' uh, blank Dell tests. <laughs> and everyone out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it.
2: And it's okay to be gay.